Welcome to Kibbe on Liberty. This week, uh, my friend Eric July is going to help us work through all of this craziness that is going on in the streets of our cities. We have lockdowns and now we have riots. And can you tell the difference between peaceful protesters and looters? All of that stuff is stuff that, that we libertarians and constitutional conservatives and people that just don't want to hurt anyone or take their stuff we got to figure this stuff out. Uh, welcome back to the show, Eric. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I mean, it's crazy, crazy out here. But, um, you know, I do appreciate you having me on, man. It seems like uh, it was way too long since the last time we got to chat. Yeah, you were one of my first guests. And we had we had a really cool conversation about some of your some of your uh, founding intellectual influences, uh, particularly Walter Williams. And I'm I'm thinking about him right now in the context of, of his book, The State Against Blacks, which as I recall was one of your sort of uh, important moments. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's just, his write-ups were amazing. I mean, in any context, it's, um, you know, it's being this far down the line and, you know, you're still picking up some of that stuff because it's some of it, some of it does ache um, the community, some of it does uh, warp our, what we do, it kind of highlights how we have a, a warped perspective on a lot of this. And unfortunately, because of that, we don't ever really get to any solution. But absolutely, State Against Blacks, anybody that hasn't checked check it out, if it was never a point um, that a time that it was uh, it wasn't a rele- wasn't relevant. I mean, I think it's always relevant, but for sure now um, it's about as relevant as it's going to get. Yeah. And I feel like uh, I feel like Walter's analysis, um, which is just sort of a classic critique of, of unchecked government power. I feel like that that very much influences the framework that you used. I watched you on on Stu's show, and for, for people that don't know, both uh, myself and Eric are contributors on Blaze TV, as is Stu, and, uh, and, you, and you laid it out so succinctly in a, in a way, I hadn't really thought about phrasing it that way, but you compare uh, racism and statism. Tell me what the difference is. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of what people discuss um, and a lot of their gripes, Now, I'm not going to say every single per- person's, uh, any groups, like their gripes are all legitimate. I would never pretend that is the case. But when it comes to the ones that are, or at least have some sort of truth to it, often those two get conflated with each other as far as what's actually the core issue. And to me, this is why I think, that it's um, it, it, it's never an actual solution that's being created. Uh, I said, and I've always said, that racism without statism is nothing more than a bad idea. It is one thing for the guy down the street to to dislike me because I'm black or not want to sell his goods to me because I'm black. Wow, I want to line that guy's pocket anyway. I don't know. Um, but... It's one thing for that to happen. It's another when you have this, you you have like the state, right? And you have this like territorial monopoly um, on on ultimate decision making. It's it's completely different. And when you look at even racism in this country and some of the greatest the gripes, the legitimate gripes that we've historically had, when you acknowledge the history of this com- uh, country, Jim Crow. Uh, well, let's start with slavery. That's the that's the obvious one. It was all state sanctioned, you know what I mean? State sanctioned and state state endorsed. Um, black codes, slave clothes, codes, all of that. 
Um, you know, Jim Crow, all the places, uh, the places versus Ferguson's. The, the, I mean, it was this was like from the local level all the way up to the, to the, uh, to the federal level, and it was state sanctioned and state endorsed racism, and that's what made it so bad and so difficult for it to combat, and it was able to maintain itself for a very, very long time when you consider it in the context of this country. But that's why. That's that's why because the state facilitated it. And the state endorsed it and the state state sanctioned it. And I think, un- unfortunately, we get so caught up. Now, that's not to say that people aren't racist. That's not to say there are racist people out there. But what we're missing out of all of this, and because the whole entire narrative, the entire conversation right now has turned into just blue versus black or more so in, in, in this case, it's more white, particularly against black. And it's like, well, that's not really going to solve the 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 issue, and this is why I never, I, you know, we have all of these. We know we want to send them a new set of rules; they don't follow. Like, there's an issue with this institution, and until that is like addressed, and it, it comes on different sides, it's it's the communities have 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 to see it one way and or more so a different way instead of expecting them to move their world for them, which sort of to them it legitimizes the police force. Uh, in those in those areas, you know what I mean? So we have to address that problem. And I never want to lose sight. This is why I've been so so I, I mean, I hate to use the term, term aggressive in a libertarian, but not, I'm not I don't mean it in the libertarian sense. You know what I mean? But I've been so aggressive in attacking this issue because I want to get it back on the rails. Why? Because not only just because of the, 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 the craziness that's going on in the world right now, but mainly because I want people to see it for what it is so we can actually get, if you're fed up, if people want these solutions, we, if we can't have that conversation, honestly, we're never, I'm, I'm seriously, we're going to revisit this. Again, Rodney King thing, that was 30 years ago, man. Like, it was 30 years ago when some this is a very, that was probably the most similar thing to this. Where you had, it wasn't just, I mean, you, we, we, we look at the L.A. riots. Um, but it wasn't just L.A. that was, um, you know, mad at it. Or you look at what happened when Dr. King passed. You know what I mean? Like, oh, not passed, was murdered. Um, when you look at when you look at that, it's the same thing back then. It was like we're still revisiting this stuff. And it's 2020. And it's and it's sad. But the reason is, is we're not attacking the core issue. We're attacking this. It's it's almost, I don't want to say it's, it's an invisible man because it is a thing that exists. But it's an invisible man in terms of like it's a very hard thing to combat. But we know what's causing the destruction, but we just keep talking around it. Yeah. Another way to put that is that we're not we're not fighting race. Well, we're fighting racism, but we're not fighting the institutionalizing of racism through the the power of of government to to use um, their monopoly on force to do things like happened to George Floyd. Bingo. That's, that's, that's perfectly put. It's just, that's, it, it just hits different. Like I was, we, you know, we talked about this, you know, on the blaze when, um, I, I, I loved it having a great round table discussion, even getting guys like Chad, you know, pray that to, to, to look at it like, man, I probably would have pulled my gun on that cop. And I'm thinking about it and I'm like, think about that. Okay. Look, we all agree that if we just walk, now I'm not going to say everybody has a duty to try to stop a crime or something like that, but you can imagine with all of those people around, if those guys were just citizens, they're just regular guys, three of them, you know, there's three of them total on them, right? 
somebody maybe would have broke it up, done something, said something. It wouldn't have went down like it did. But everybody has that hesitation. And that has a it's not even a hesitation. It's like we just won't do it. Now, why that is the case is is the issue here. It's because we see it, that institution, that it's and it is it, it is above what anything else than that we can do. You know what I mean? Like they have a special set of rules that bads that allows them to do things that we otherwise, you know, could not do. But that hesitation right there or the fact that people just like I want I, I use that comparison because I want people to see like we recognize a wrong here. Right. We all recognize this. This that this this is wrong, wrong reaction. But what actually was it that made you because you see if you see the videos that were out, definitely the main one that was shot. You hear people in the background like stop. Like, what are you doing? Like. That's a completely different conversation. It's more action. He probably gets bump rushed, uh, you know, in if this was just regular guys. But we don't do that. Um, and, and and it's it's a tough conversation because it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. And I get it. I get it. Definitely for a lot of people that have grown up seeing, you know, government or more so seeing police officers as one way. It's a very uncomfortable conversation for a lot of people to have. But it's one that needs to happen. Otherwise, we're going to revisit. We can sit up here and, and talk, march to the they can march to the wheels fall off, um, get all the exercise they want. And none of that's going to change anything if we don't start looking at the core issue. We're, we're going to revisit this again. All of the 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 I get it. All the black boxes and, and all of that stuff. That's that's great. Right. Everybody is standing in solidarity. That's uh, that's fantastic. But it doesn't necessarily solve the issue at all, actually, I would argue. And we're losing sight of that because we're not even discussing it. The, the conversation isn't even being being had. Maybe guys like us have it. But but at, at a more national scale, that's the more difficult thing. And that's why I've been trying my hardest to position myself more so to have conversations, not with people that uh, just just maybe agree all the time, but trying to position myself. And this is what I've always thought libertarians uh, should be able to do or should be trying to do. We don't have to try to, you know, do a political posturing. We don't have to pander. We don't have to do any of that. We can position ourselves, um, or definitely individual creators can can we, uh, and influencers and, and 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 advocates and activists can can position ourselves to have that conversation because I think everybody's ripe for it, but we're not having it and. Who's who, who's that's a failure on? I really don't know, but I really want to have it because I want to get to the solutions. Yeah, I, I do see, uh, and it seems to happen with every freaking issue that, that it seems like the same sort of tribal dividing lines that we were fighting about over the government lockdowns under under COVID prevention have have reemerged, and no one's actually talking about the the structural problem and. And, and when you tell the story about, you know, the bystanders are pleading with the cops to, to get off of, of George Floyd's neck and, and they're reinforcing what he's saying. He can't breathe. You're, you're killing him. Um, but in their defense, they probably know either explicitly or in their minds that there are two sets of rules. And if that was just a guy attacking George Floyd, they could tackle him. Uh, they could subdue him. And the good guys would actually be, be celebrated for saving a life. But when it comes to police, there are two sets of rules. There's, we've, we talk about it a lot, qualified immunity. And it, it seems like this, uh, this, this machine that is a monopoly of police force has an ability 
to get out of these things. And so I, I, I understand that they're afraid and I understand that there would be very much consequences for for stopping that cop because the narrative wouldn't be the same. The, the narrative was defined by the video that, that showed that guy murdering Floyd. So the, the thing that we libertarians bring to this, and I think this is true for progressives on one side, but certainly a lot of the conservatives that you and I speak to, um, you know, a lot of conservatives have this sort of knee-jerk reaction that the cops are the good guys. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think the bad apples um, that that very much exploit that, that power, um, give give all cops a bad name. Mm-hmm. And the, the best way to celebrate good cops is to limit their power and hold them more accountable because I think I think law enforcement right now is in deep trouble as well. Oh, most definitely they're in deep trouble. A lot of people see them um, as, you know, the enemy. And I get it, you know, I absolutely get it. But it's 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 one of those things like do we want to actually start getting to any sort of um, doing anything like that that's conducive to to solving this issue. And I think that's been the difficult conversations that people, uh, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of conservatives have had knee jerk reactions. I, I like to talk about the silver lining in that. I mean, um, because it definitely once we see the other side of this, where you talk about the rioting and the, and, and eluding and stuff like that, and people's businesses aren't being protected, cops are being told to stand down or they're just not doing anything. Um, I'm not here to dispute what's the case there. You know, we just know that they're not protecting these businesses. That's what we do know. You know what I mean? And it, it, it's like there's 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 an issue there. And we're seeing different sides for different reasons. Understand that that there that there is an issue there. The problem is what I see. I don't see this getting better. And I'm not trying to be a pessimist to anybody. I'm just saying I don't see this getting better on the other side of this mainly because of where the narrative went so fast and it got it got out of control so fast that it was like we saw white cop black man right and so quickly i mean you should well i guess we should have known that that it was going to that was going to lead the narrative but i'd maybe kind of underestimated it because i didn't think it was going to be this to to this degree that we have all of these. I mean, it's now it's like a corporate thing, right? It's a it's a corporate thing. It's a it's a lot of bandwagonry. It's a lot of similar to the, the COVID-19 stuff. Um, and it's just so it's like it controls the conversation. And then I sit in, you know, I'm on Twitter or I'm on whatever. And I see all the signaling and it's hardly anybody ever talking about the actual issue. Like I just yeah. um, I just talk to a, you know, loud, you know, you, you're a music guy as well. Um, I talked to, well, I didn't talk to Loudwire um, as of when we taped this. Loudwire, who we had personally, we personally were on, they, they, they did, I don't know if they even still do it, but they used to do this like Battle Royale thing for all the like the videos in the middle core, hardcore scene. Um, and the fans would go vote for what was the top video. Uh, and, um, you know, they would put the articles out and stuff like that. You get to vote and all that, yada, yada. My band and in backwards when we dropped the statism, I think it was, we ended up topping that, beating out all every, all the bands on our on this scene for five weeks. So it's not like they didn't know who we were, right? They know exactly who we were. And I'm sitting here watching the entire music industry, at least in our in our scene, right? Get all of these guys, and no disrespect to you know white folk, but 
it's so odd how that's the one conversation they're getting all these and everybody's signaling like we have to stand, we have to do something. Not being racist is not good. And the same old generic bull crap. And I and I posted this to to people that were following me. And I was like, guess how many of these publications have reached out to me? Zero. You can't say they don't know I exist. Alternative Press had uh, that band straight from the path. They ended up dropping a uh, they dropped a song called Good Night All Right. It's the corniest song that I uh, like. No, none of us obviously care about All Right. It was just a corny, cheesy, cheesy signal of a song. All I said was like three words on Twitter. I was like, I said, sigh, dot, 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 straight from the path. They had absolutely no problem quoting me in the article uh, saying that the, as the, you know, the, the scene reacts to this, this, this song that came out. Nobody has reached. I'm the one guy in the scene that has front a semi. I front a I'm black, right? I front a semi popular uh, uh, band that's in the same. You can't. It's not like they don't know we exist. They've already covered us. You covered our singles. You released our. You released our singles. You cover all of them. Not all of them, but for the the, the big ones. Alternative press is gonna get Loudwire. This is a pretty metal injection. Like this is a pretty big big thing. They've all covered us. They've all covered us. So. Not my email didn't ring my. I got a, a text from my from uh, one of our managers. He said, "Now, loud, why I want to talk?" Because I quote tweeted him. I was like, "Because they they said some event sevenfold front man talks about oh this is why Black Lives Matter." So I quote tweeted him. I said, "Y'all know who we are. I love to discuss this issue with you." And that's when they hit me up because I had to put them on blast. But it was never a thought to even reach out to me. And I'm not trying to pretend like I'm the most popular guy. What I'm saying is it's indicative of how they're trying to control the narrative that is like, it's one, it's an allowable opinion that everybody has. And that's honestly why there's no solution. It's like, I get what y'all talk. Y'all talking about the same thing. Y'all been, y'all been talking about generic, Phrases, hashtags, I get all awareness, all of that protest. That's fine. We've been doing this for I don't know how long. Like we've been how, how long have we been doing this? And has it gotten you a solution? No. But they're not even trying to it's like they pretend like it doesn't even exist. They like to think it. And how it got that way, I don't know. I'm not really concerned. I'm trying to position my myself so we can have this conversation at a more national scale. Because I do think if we can get them at the table. They'll hear us out. It's like, it makes sense. It's not like what we're saying is just insane. It makes sense. But they're not even trying to have the conversation. The conversation is being geared one way. And then you have the like the direct opposite side where they take opposite sides out of spite, even if it's wrong. You know, this is what we what we see with a lot of knee-jerk reactions sometimes out of can can not necessarily as much on this this. I think a lot of people, for the most part, unanimously agreed that there was something wrong here, at least. But in a lot of cases, knee-jerk reaction is always to defend that institution just because, you know, the other side is the, is it's saying, oh, they're wrong, tear it down, yada, yada. We're not getting any solutions. None of this is conducive to actually solving this, and that's what I want to get to. I'm trying so hard to get there. Yeah, some of the, some of the uh, I mean, I feel like it's super trite, some of the virtue signaling coming from the music industry <laughs> is super frustrating right now because they they do have a megaphone. They have a cultural megaphone. And part of it seems to be that they've been infected with the same sort of clickbait culture that 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 drives mainstream media, where mm -hmm. um, if, if they actually force you to think, 
and they say something that's outside of this this two-team tribal narrative thing, um, they're not going to get as many clicks. But the other piece of this, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, but but so much of this, like the lockdowns, seem inherently political. People are so pissed off at Trump. And I'm, I'm not even a Trump supporter, but I see this dynamic that right. I feel like every national crisis is now um, exaggerated and prolonged and inflamed simply so that we can blame Trump for the whole thing. Absolutely. I mean, you are 1000% um, correct. And we'd be fools not to, even as non-Trump supporters, we'd be fools not to acknowledge that that's going on. We're seeing it now. People are, um, no matter what it is that that he does, it's like it's the worst thing ever. It's to blame him or this is on your hand. Had nothing to do with me. To be fair to him, and I hate to even be fair to him, he had nothing to do with what happened in Minneapolis. That right. has nothing to do with it. He doesn't govern there. Uh, well, I mean, he governs over the country in terms of being a president, but that that's all Minneapolis. Like, that's on, they have a mayor. You know what I mean? They have They have a city council. They have all of these. They have the police chiefs. They have that's on them. Like that's that's more so on them. And somehow I, I would see comments on Twitter about people like, well, this is this is this is what you you created. I'm like, what the that doesn't even make sense. But that's that's what we're that's a discussion. That's the type of silly discussions that we're having. It's like, whose fault is it? You know, is is it Trump's fault? Trump didn't do it. Do something he should have did something. Um, and when he does something, he did it, did too much. They got one side saying bring the national guard, other side out of control. Other side says no, no, no. Uh, if he even seems to like threaten it, they they I mean they act like oh man, it's got to be it's it's, it's about to be he's gonna start shooting every, like the national guard about to start killing everybody or something like that. And it's like this isn't even about George Floyd anymore. Like this isn't even about, and I, I wish we, we don't have to pretend. I certainly won't. I ain't been pretending at all. This ain't about, about that anymore. Um, I think that there are people that are protesting that are keeping them uh, in, in their hearts and minds. I I wouldn't even, you know, I would not say that there are people that have great intentions that are maybe misguided. I'm over the more. I'm going to be honest. I'm I, like, I, even from a peaceful protest point, I'm not saying that people don't have the right to do that. I just don't think it's conducive to solving this problem. We've been marching. I'm tired of marching. I'm tired of awareness. Like, what exactly is the signs and the stuff is that going to do as far as preventing something like this from happening again? And to me, it's nothing. We've been doing that already. And it seems like a lot of it is political. And a lot of it's political posturing done by way of politicians, depending on what side they are, what color they rock, what, uh, you know, if they have an R next to their name, if they have a D next to their name. And people do that, you know, to or take positions based upon that. And it's a very frustrating thing to see unfold because I called this early. I called this early, like really early on. I was like, this is going to get to a level that. For one, they might not ever be be able to control, but it's going to get to a level to to um, like incentivize almost the the people that are being caught in a crop. People's businesses are I, I, it's really heartbreaking for me to look at that. So some of those videos when I see people of different age, race, demographics, so forth that are being having their businesses destroyed. Watched well, shared a video yesterday, black woman uh, in Bronx, part owner of uh, of this like shop they messed the stove up top to bottom and she's like 
Y'all talking about Black Lives Matter. Like, what about, I'm a part owner of this store, and look what you did to me. And you have blue check marks on, on Twitter sitting here either justifying it or excusing it as if you can't, and this goes to the political element, we have these false dichotomies and false choices that are foisted upon us. Where it's like, and it's funny as hearing us libertarians say it, it's because like, I can absolutely condemn state aggression while also understanding that rioting or more so looting, destroying people's property are bad things. I'm yeah. not forced to choose between the two. Who made that rule? And it's like, you talk about one and they're like, well, what about the people's like, what about them? Like, it's funny hearing it say to, to me of all people, you ain't going to find probably another person on the internet that, hates the state more than I do. Like, I, I I dare you to try to find one. Uh, it's certainly one more, more consistent. I spent my, for the better part of this decade, touring the country, dropping 18 track albums, doing all of this, talking about the same, it's funny, we, 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 backwards, we've been talking about this all week about backwards have a, has a song for that. I literally say, I dropped self-ownership in 2016 and I literally say, I say, for example, when a cop shoots a black man, you focus on the racism, ignoring all the statism like that was I did that four years ago. Like I was talking about this very instance playing. I said holding signs riding is not about to save them because you must have forgot that that's the power that you gave them. I've been saying this for the longest. And this is what, for lack of better terms, triggers me out of the industry because they hated us for it. Like backwards had a target on our back everywhere we went, everything because they this scene hated us because we were the ones that they were all Bernie for the most part, all Bernie bros. Dare we got up there and said, like, yeah, you might not like Trump, but if you think he's the start and the end of this, you sleep. They would hate us for it. They they hated us for it. And I'm sitting there arguing with all these guys in the scene for the most part. Same guys. Who have been advocating for big, you don't get much more big government than, than a Bernie Sanders type. And then for them to turn around and try to like act as if they've been there to position themselves to say all cops are bastards or anything like that is laughable to me when they advocate for policies that are diametrically opposed to not, especially when we talk about in, in some of these communities, you mentioned, mentioned Walter, uh, not Walter, Walter Williams. You mentioned uh, Walter Williams and the state against blacks and, you know, long talking about minimum wage laws and how that is, is still to this day uh, screwing over young, young black uh, folks. And because they go to these rotten schools, that's not where they're going to learn any sort of valuable skill set to be valuable more so in the workplace. They need to work. And all that does is prices prices them out of the market. So these guys talk about doubling that. These same industry of guys talking about more taxation, which uh, which are all these different new laws and new things that because they think they they have a good heart, incentivizes more and more conflict with the state. Helps hurts excuse me it more so hurts these guys economically. And for them to try to do this political posturing now because it's socially acceptable acceptable to act like you're mad about something it's it's hilariously dishonest to me because you know again that, they advocate things that are diametrically opposed yeah that that disconnect and we've we've talked a lot about uh sort of the the ultimate uh, uh contradiction in sort of democratic socialism the way bernie sanders sells it and 
and AOC to a less extent. I think I think I think Bernie is probably more intellectually interesting because he is very much a critic of permanent war. He's mm-hmm. a critic of the police state. He's a critic of the war on drugs. He's a critic of mass incarceration. But his solution for everything is is to expand the exact state power that created those situations in the first place. And and I've always viewed that as an opportunity to get people to sort of follow the logic a little bit a little bit more. But I, I see the same sort of failure to think through things when it comes to uh, being angry about about police violence and the militarization of police as if that's not intimately and directly associated with the fact that government's too big and has too much power and spends too much of your money. Um, they they constantly don't get that. And and I don't know about you, Eli. So I want to I want to take a step back. I I mean, I, I love peaceful protests and I think civil disobedience Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's done well, is a great way to sort of galvanize public support mm-hmm. and get the attention of the political class. Um, we haven't done it on this, um, definitely not this time. But I think I think always the the protests against police violence have been corrupted by um, people that aren't peaceful protesters, people that aren't looking for institutional change. And in this particular case, I think there's I, I sort of divided them into three groups of people arbitrarily. There's there's good people out there protesting a really horrible thing that happened to a black man. And I'm 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 with those guys. Right. Um regardless of whether or not it's effective. I'm I mean they're they're doing the right thing and they're doing it for the right reason. Mm-hmm. And then there's the looters who are just opportunists. Um I don't I don't know why exactly they're doing what they're doing. I think I think the lockdowns have something to do with that. But the people that that really piss me off are the are the professional provocateurs, the the Antifa activists who very much believe that that violence is is somehow going to get them to their socialist dream world. And and those people are specifically undermining the cause of George Floyd. They're also, by the way, creating uh, an environment where the police are going to have more weapons and more power and more leeway to stomp on on innocent individual lives coming out of this. Yeah, they're giving them a reason, right? And um, and it's unfor- that's unfortunate. I'm pretty sure we both have seen videos of some little scrawny white kid with a skateboard bashing a window, and then some dude, some black dude, comes and snatches it from him. Like, what are you doing? Right? I saw one other one. Uh, You're making us look bad. Yeah, right. I saw another one. Um, uh, a, a group of uh, like I guess it was a group of group of these types that were in a car gives a black uh, uh, gives a brick to a group of black dudes and a woman a black woman gets the brick gives them go, walks next to the car gives it back to like well why in the world would you give them that like and I'm seeing all these videos people getting body slammed um as they're trying to usually see videos guys trying to break up like concrete and stuff like that and then they end up getting smacked up uh by the crowd there are some people that are like they at least recognize that it's wrong like they're like and and they're obviously conscious of the fact that that group of people are, are making them look bad and are undermining the cause and it's a very unfortunate situation and that's what these with b and tifa types he's a little fake anarchist uh, uh, types. I know they're not going to like me for saying that. They're going to bring up the etymology of the term. But <laughs> certainly those types who hijack these sort of movements 
to do exactly that. They want to tear it down. They're not interested in and anything else, but using this as an opportunity to, and this is why it's another side. It's these other guys who, who maybe not associated with those, maybe Antifa types, those guys that are just being in it, these, these guys that are even in those communities, uh, being very opportunistic guys. And then again, you have the Antifa type. So you have these guys that are both being opportunistic, which are undermining the people that have good intentions, that have every intention more so of being peaceful. No matter how I feel about their effectiveness of, of what it is that they're going to do, I'm not a fool enough to, you know, I, I obviously will admit that there's absolutely, we had a protest out here in Frisco where I'm at in, in Texas, nothing happened. They protested. I mean, aside from them, it being annoying that they won't, they, they picked the most busiest road to do it. So you kind of got to drive around it. But others, aside from that, no property damage, no nothing was it. We know that there are people that are out there like that, but there are unfortunately those who are looking to use this as an opportunity to cause destruction to people. And this is why you have a lot of people that are innocent. Not, I mean, most of obviously these businesses weren't the one that had their knee on that man's neck on George Floyd's neck. It's unfortunate because it does undermine it because we have to talk about it. I, I can't, I know people get frustrated. Like why am I, what do you mean? Why I'm talking about it? when I know people's personal businesses, um, down in uptown in Dallas that get, get what you mean? And why am I talking about it? Of course, I'm going to talk about it. We out here in Dallas. I'm not even in Minneapolis and we saw, uh, and we're seeing this st- sort of stuff happen. And again, what frustrates me the most is the people that excuse and justify Like I'm, I'm seeing people that are in positions of power house on the hill. And I ain't disrespecting nobody on the house over here. I mean, if, if I could live on the house on the hill, I'd I, I do that as well. I'd be living in a great, great area. You know what I mean? But what I'm saying is they're going to suffer the least. They're going to suffer the least. The people that are going to suffer are the folks in these communities. Like I watched that, again, the black woman that was out of uh, Bronx. She's like, we're trying to build this community up, but y'all tearing it down. Yeah, That's not helping anything. Like, these fools sit up here and be like, well... They got insurance. It can be replaced. It's almost like they have absolutely no idea how business or commercial insurance works. What you think they they can just quantify everything or or, or put everything, expense it all out, and then an insurance uh, uh, company just writes them a big fat check the next day. We got people out here in the South that had tornadoes last year, and ain't and they still processing them claims. So what makes them think that it's gonna definitely would all of them are happening at the same time? That it's just gonna be a cut and dry. Everything gets paid for. I, I mean, I'm not even mentioning the fact of people that didn't have the type of insurance that would cover something like this anyway. But never mind even that. Think about even from a from a from a bigger spot, a grocer, right? That those people, the people that need to shop there. What about the people that need milk, food? You know, looted out the entire Target that they may have gotten their, gotten their stuff from. And man, hopefully there's a store near that they can go to. But I watched another thing. I can't remember what city it was. A woman was crying on TV. She's like, the bus isn't running. I live in this community. I walk everywhere. They done, sto- they done, they done tow down a Dollar Tree, all these different places where I get my stuff. Where am I supposed to go? That doesn't even process in these guys' mind. These people also employ people. Like, uh, uh, you know, Killer Mike was talking about it in Atlanta. He's like, how do I tell people? I got three, I know three black business owners that have their businesses destroyed. It's not just their businesses, the owners. Also, what about the employees that work there? 
you know, they're out of jobs now. They're not thinking it through, and it's it's a it's a chain reaction of people that are being negatively impacted. I don't know why everybody thinks the per every business owner is just rich. Rich, I speak out of this um in, in, in experience. Well, my my woman, when they are in the franchise owners, they work, they work out of the store. The black woman I was talking about in the Bronx, she's a part owner, she's also a part-time worker. Like, just be even if you own a business, that don't mean you rich. That don't mean you like to just eat up. The cost of a of your whole entire business being you can't even operate it like this is a serious um, issue. And it's to me, it's going to continue to escalate until we could have that conversation. And people actually, well, I think for one, people are going to have to start defending their property, unfortunately, um, uh, because they're suddenly realizing the cops ain't going to do it for them. But on a serious note, you have people that are in positions of power that are egging this stuff on that are, um, you know, being provocateurs. And and actually encouraging this bad behavior. And it makes sense when you consider that they're going to be the ones that are least impacted. Yeah, they, they don't they don't have to live in those communities. And and you're, you're talking about these minority communities, these nope. these struggling communities, these developing communities and the big box stores, the targets and the dollars. They may not come back because mm -hmm. they don't they don't need to have a store there. They can open a store somewhere else. The small businesses that have been destroyed um, may not be able to come back because insurance rates may go up in a way that makes their business unviable, assuming that insurance even pays. And and I think about this as sort of a, a one-two punch. If you really wanted to destroy economic opportunity in struggling communities in America, the lockdown combined with what's happening now makes it virtually impossible for me to imagine how how a quick recovery is possible because the, the lockdowns had already broken a lot of businesses. Mm -hmm. And I wanna talk about that because I haven't heard this part of the story enough. Um, you probably know this part of the story, but uh, George Floyd lost his job. He was a bouncer at a, at a restaurant bar in Minneapolis and uh, the governor of Minnesota uh, a lockdown Democrat. It does seem to be a blue versus red thing when it came to lockdowns. He shut it all down. And it and he he probably embraced that same narrative. If we can just save just one life without even considering the fact that he was not only destroying businesses, let's put those aside for a second. He put George Floyd out of work. Mm. Mm. 70 days later, um, he was arrested for allegedly trying to pass off a counterfeit $20 bill to buy something at a market. And I'm not even convinced he was doing that if he was doing yeah, that. Yeah, we don't really know. Yeah, we don't really yeah. know if that was even truly the case, right? Well, we uh, do know that he had lost his job because the government decided that his job wasn't important enough to, to allow. And I, I, I keep thinking about this same abuse of government power. You know, we had these lockdowns and, and stay at home uh, mandates, you know, people were like literally getting arrested for being out on the street in some of these states. And then we have now we have um, uh, these same sorts of mandates in the form of curfews. Curfews, yep. And it's the do people not notice that it's the same damn thing where where some faceless uh, politician, you don't even know who this guy is, just deems that you will not do this because I've decided. And that 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 sort of the economic consequences of that very much led to that confrontation 
that killed George Floyd. That doesn't even cross their mind. And I tell you, if you needed any more proof, look no further than the fact that it's the same group of people that are that were against the lockdowns that right after this went went down. Now, all of a sudden, they're encouraging protests. So I don't know if the virus doesn't work at protests or something like that. I, I'm not I'm not going to maybe they have the same magic magic Walmart doors that nobody got the virus at at, at their lows or, or the same. Maybe they maybe they made of the same stuff or have the same protection. I'm not sure. But if you look no further than that, if you want to see if they're like willing to do whatever, no matter how hypocritical it is, they don't care. They don't care. They don't they don't care. It's a lot of this. And this is what politics has become. Unfortunately, I don't know if it's the growth of social media, what is to blame, but it's just a lot of a lot of posturing. And a lot of people do that for the sake of signaling to whatever group they do. And this isn't a thing that's exclusively to the guys uh, that wear blue. You know, red folk do it all, all the time as well, where either it does nothing or or more so it hurts. You know what I mean? And they it's like, well, they can pass it off with great rhetoric. We're saving lives. We're all in this together, all of this stuff. And it doesn't matter the economic consequences when people have to suffer. It's like, whatever. They don't, it doesn't even cross their mind. You, I, libertarian, I've been, we've been calling out three. I was talking about this for three months, the virus, the virus stuff. Before even the first lockdown came down, I was doing, I was already analyzing the data. And I was like, these, if these, why, if they don't do, if they were going to do a quarantine, it would have made more sense to do one targeted. Like if, if they were going to, I'm not advocating that they did it anyway, like not forcefully. I'm just saying if people wanted to quarantine themselves, nursing homes or whatever, that that's perfectly, I, I understand that. But to treat every, I mean, such, it's like embodies, right? Everything like what we talk about, the inefficiency of government, where you have a clear and obvious demographic that is the most vulnerable, right? Clear and obvious. You got data from Italy, got data from South Korea, got got data from, you don't trust the Chinese numbers, but the Chinese numbers said the same exact thing. You know exactly who is most vulnerable. But instead of actually building some sort of plan that would address them, protect them, you put a, you put a place to one size fits all lockdown, it deemed certain people as essential and then put 40 million people out of work in the result. And, and, and an unfortunate thing is that most of the people, uh, you know, per hundred thousand, no matter where you look, most of the people that are being hospitalized are dying are people well over retirement age. And it's like, you put all of these people out of work for what, even though the data was available to you. So that, that right there got me, got me up in arms. And then to see the reaction of some of these groups with their own communities being burned into the ground. And because they so afraid to actually uh, condemn two things, even Obama did a better job of them in doing that. At least Obama had enough, enough sense to be like, yeah, this was an injustice, but y'all shouldn't, y'all shouldn't do that. Right. Even he had enough sense to do that. These guys leading these uh, governors, mayors, representatives and so forth are egging these folks on that are destroying people's private property as if it's something that just has to happen. And then had a nerve to act like, if, you know, me, I've been on the defend yourself by all means, Korean rooftop, uh, rooftop Koreans back in style, 1992. Like, do what you got to do. If definitely, if you're in there, I'm in Texas, you know what I'm saying? We, we ain't no duty to retreat out here. You know what I mean? And 
you got to do what you got to do on a serious note because the cops aren't going to do it for you. Um, and dare I had that position right back to the false dichotomy. Well, you don't yeah. care about this man that was this black man that was murdered by police. I'm like, dude, I do this 365 days throughout the year. You cannot lecture me on that. I've been trying to warn you. I even wrote songs about it. I gave you something to groove to about this and you didn't listen and you didn't listen. And people long before me were saying this, we're saying the same thing, you know, um, and, and here we are. A lot of people out of work. And now you 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 hit it perfectly. It was a double whammy. It was those small businesses that were getting. I know I know even even clinics out here. My own woman's clinic furloughed down almost their entire staff over this because, they, you know, no elective procedures. How are we going to pay the workers? You know what I mean? Because we were expecting this big influx of patients that never came. And then they got denied for the small business loans. So it's like, look at it. Look at this. Look at the you're, you're creating these issues. You got a double whammy right after that. And then they're trying to bounce. It's slowly reopening, right? People are trying to bounce back. And then you got folks burning their cities into the ground. But it's yeah. not just that. It's that people are justifying it and excusing it. Where does this all stem? We can't, we not, we're not directly looking at the issue and pointing to the aggressors as them being the issue um, and the problem. So it's, it's like, again, the invisible man. It's, the, the, it's just racism, just, just one word, racism. We're fighting against racism. I'm like, what exactly does that mean in the context of, of what, what happened? You know what I mean? Like in the context of what happened in, in the context of actually building some sort of solution, what does that mean? It's such an easy thing to say, well, I'm against racism. Congratulations. We're all we're all against that. You know what I mean? Like, what are you saying, man? Like, I understand. I, I get that. But it would force them. And this is why I don't think that they are so or more so why they're so feisty against folks like myself and even, you know, obviously you that will talk about this, uh, you know, this aggression. I think the reason they don't want to face it is because they have positions. You mentioned like Bernie Sanders that are diametrically opposed to solving the issue and dealing with that issue of statism forces them to have to drop those issues and they don't want to meet it. And they don't have to because the conservatives certainly aren't doing a great job of holding their feet to the fire in that regards. And unfortunately libertarians don't even have a seat and we're not even able to be a part of the conversation. You know, I think you, you mentioned the, uh, the responsibility of self-defense because the, the police aren't going to do, do it for you and the government's not going to do it for you. I think, I think that is a application of a broader principle that that gets down to individual responsibility and even localism. One of the Absolutely. one of the proposals one of the proposals that I saw that I thought made a lot of uh, sense to me instinctually is that that is that cops should actually work in the neighborhoods that they live in. And and when you bring in cops from out of city, out of state, um, you run into all sorts of problems because they don't they don't have a connection with that community. But I think that, I mean, the libertarian attitude on that would be, well, let's apply that to everything. We don't want a governor deciding whether or not a hospital should should permit certain types of patients to come uh, during COVID. We don't want a governor deciding whether or not that business is, is appropriate to stay open or has to be closed. Um, communities have that knowledge. They have that responsibility and, and free people actually will, will take care of each other um, our positive answer for all of this raging that we're doing on this show is that if you would leave people alone, we could solve all sorts of problems. 
um, frankly, including racism. Yeah, we can Absolutely. do that. Absolutely, just, it's, get, just stop, it's getting close to the helping. individual. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, stop help. That's that's the key thing. Is like, like stop it. You're making it worse. Yeah. Um, but the lo the localization. I mean, the decentralization. It's just like one of the core. I think where a lot of libert most libertarians, if not all, can at least agree that that's a solution towards working towards a, a freer society. Um, in terms of putting it to action, that's easy. It's not going to be a light. I don't believe that we're going to ever get to a libertarian society by way of a light switch. It's not going to happen. It was some foolish libertarians, uh, I will say, on this thing that they thought, oh, well, the precincts and stuff are being set on fire. They got to, and then they, then, then this thing started to escalate and they own people's businesses being set on fire. It's like, oh, maybe they didn't have the right. I was like, bro, I told, I told y'all that. Like, that wasn't, they don't, we're not talking about what's the core issue here. It's about getting folks to recognize that. You know, it goes to the individual's responsibility. And the closer you can get definitely those positions of power to those individuals, the better that it can, is going to get to causing uh, to, to, to sort of creating any sort of solution to it. You know what I mean? The people that are actually there that are in your community, it makes no sense why someone in D.C. that I've never met is making decisions on my behalf. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any any sort of sense that 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 happens. We want to get it more localized, and I think that decentralization and, and, and that element is going to solve a lot of these issues. A lot of, the, if not all of these issues, and it just doesn't apply to this. It applies to a lot of these different things. This is why I always let even the, the, the so sympathetic and empathetic socialists, right? I'm like, you know what? If you wanted to build your own little co-op or own little deal where you and other, I might think it might economically be a disaster when it's all said and done. But if you wanted to do that, you could, ha you should have the freedom to be able to do that. Just don't force me to be a part of it. You know what I mean? I want to get it as close when it comes to that power. I want to get it to as close to the individual as possible. And we can apply that principle like you just said to generally everything when, as far as what we see that's wrong with the world. A lot of people that are making decisions on these people's behalf are not even connected. They're completely out of touch. They know they're completely out of touch. They don't live near you. They don't live in your communities. They actually despise your community. They only show up uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a, you know, some sort of photo op. And if they are, they're surrounded by security and all, and all, all the stuff that you don't got, you know, and they're making decisions on, on your behalf, and it sucks. This is why they're so out of touch. You, can, you, you sit there and wonder, you're like, how could something like this be so, so wrong? And that's why. They're out of touch. They, don't, they, they literally don't know. They don't know. So we want to get that power back to the, the centralization that's been the issue, right? We want to get it. We want to get it decentralized. We want get it, to get it closer to the individual. And absolutely, in the case of the police, Local localization is where it's at. Like localization is going to be where it's at. It's going to be a lot more efficient. We've seen that even working with private institutions when it comes to uh, what happened uh, with the private um, uh, groups out of Detroit. You know what I mean? That are policing apartment complexes and stuff like that. It was like, hey, give us, give us a, uh, just give us a, an apartment, and we'll, uh, you know, uh, you know, instead of obviously charging them rent, give us an apartment, pay us a little bit, and we'll make it happen. And it's more efficient. Than, than anything the police go, uh, are going to do with their over-policing. And when they're over-policing, they're policing things that, in a lot of cases, have absolutely nothing to do with it. There's no aggression. There's nonviolent crimes and, and, and stuff like that. And, and turning a blind eye, in a lot of cases, to the actual 
um, uh, aggressors in in a lot of cases. We got to get it closer to the individual, but it's about us having a a seat at the table because that doesn't even cross their mind. Man, I have too many conversations with people, or people stumble across my work and they're like, "I've never even heard heard of some heard someone say that." And and when I hear that, I'm like, as loud as I am, right? As as like. You know, I, I ain't one to hold no words. You know what I mean? I got all these videos and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, you mean to tell me you've never heard that perspective? And I and I try to that's why I'm all about culture. We talked about it on the last time I was on the show. And that that's why I think the battle's gonna be won. And it's positioning our positioning, excuse me, ourselves so we can actually be a part of the conversation because we're not we're not at it. They had the conversation is having is being had between two parties and I'm not necessarily saying political parties I'm saying whether you deal with mainstream progressivism or or mainstream conservatism they're the ones with the seats at the table and there's you know differences and, and so forth but they're the ones with the seats at the table and they're arguing and we don't have a, a seat at the table and I would argue that's why we're not getting to any solutions because those two generally have even if they could properly identify the problem the solution almost is always worse that's why I love the fact that you use your band and your music and your lyrics to to turn on uh, people. I, I would call them liberty curious because they've probably never heard the word libertarian. They've never yep. heard those ideas. Uh, we're running out of time, but I, I definitely want to get a quick update on Backwards. And, and for people that don't know your music, where they can find it. Uh, you can obviously go to backwardsmusic.com. That's B-A-C-K-W-O-R-D-Z music.com. Um, backwards music is also the handle as far as YouTube. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter, all of that, all the, you, you know, the YouTube Spotify's of the world, iTunes, we're on every major digital platform, music videos, all of that stuff. You can, you can check it out. As far as what we got going, I know everybody's anticipating that certainly knows us is anticipating the sophomore album. And it's for the most part, funny, we're having this interview yesterday. We had a big conference call. Um, talking about the the album um, as far as getting some ideas for the first singles and all that. The album, for the most part, is done. There are some things that we need to add, but the album is, for the most part, done. It's just, as far as how we release it, it's tough because we don't know how this this virus thing is going to impact the, um, you know, the, the market in terms of touring. So we don't know. Yeah. Like Nobody knows. This is why you see so many musicians um, in our position that are reluctant to drop. Because we don't know how uh, what what like it would be like career suicide for us definitely to release a sophomore album and not be able to get on the road. Now we do have the luxury of having some some uh, more some musicianship, right? We can do a di- lot of different things. If you heard our sound, you know that we whatever we feel like sounding like that day is how it's going to sound, and we we're not limited to anything. Rap doesn't matter. We want to do a full hardcore song, make it a little more punk, like a little more medical, whatever we want to do. So. We are, and I, I announced this not too long ago, I am going to be putting out some strictly rap stuff to hold a lot of guys off between the album. We can't give them a date because we don't know, and I'm going to be completely transparent about that, but I want to give them some. So I'm in the process of setting up, uh, finish setting up my studio in the other room, and I'm going to be dropping a lot of uh, rap stuff to hold these guys over. And that's what's on the agenda. And we're finishing up our songs. Just had a had a great conference call yesterday, and uh, we're finishing up our songs. And I, I I can't wait for people to listen to it. If they thought the first one was nice, I mean, wait till they wait till they hear the second one. Um, it's it's gonna absolutely blow your minds. But it's just we can't put a date, we can't put a timestamp on it. 
um, because and we're glad we actually didn't because the virus hit. It would have been silly if we drop well, where we're going to drop one this this upcoming month. And then nobody can predict a, a pandemic's going to hit or anything like that. Um, but it's so on retrospect. I'm glad we did. But we'll have something to hold these guys off um, till the the album drops. Cool. And, and, and let me know, because I definitely want to share that stuff with with our audiences as well. I um, they, they love the last album and, and and a lot of I got a lot of feedback from our last show. Um, and by the way, I have to thank you for joining Blaze TV, because uh, on occasion, I feel like the, the lonely libertarian. So there's at least two of us. And I think there's a lot of other of our colleagues that are that are very much uh, liberty curious and and I just love that you're on there, and 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 I heard you say this somewhere, but I've I've never been told what not to say. I'm free to to be myself, and and I just love being part of that family. That that's what makes the Blaze unique, and that's what makes it great. And I want to be as clear as day. I've been appearing on Blaze shows since forever, um, and uh, rest in peace. Obviously, even when Doc Thompson was there, you know what I mean. Uh, long before that, I've been appearing. So I had all the time in the world to, to to vet them before I officially came on. And during all those instances, never once did they ever just say, hey, stop, don't say that. Um, it, it was never that. They've never tried to silence me or anything like that. They've been a lot uh, open. They know where I'm at. They know I'm an anarcho-capitalist, and that's what makes this family uh, certainly awesome because, like you said, they're all liberty curious and at a minimum willing to hear us out. And unfortunately, I cannot say that about some of the other guys, again, same thing. I've never been invited to any of their forums or or roundtable discussions or anything like that over to the guys on the other uh, other side. So I do appreciate that out of Blaze. Okay, Eric. Uh, thank thanks for all that, and uh, let's we got to do this more often. I think it's been too long since we talked. Absolutely, man. Let's do it again. Okay. Thanks, Abe. Thanks for listening to Kibbe on Liberty. Be sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. Your ratings will help us reach even more people with our mostly honest conversations with mostly interesting people.